Hello and welcome to another episode of Teaching My Dad Football. Welcome back or welcome to any new viewers or listeners, depending on whether you're watching this on YouTube or listening to this on any streaming services. And in case there is any doubt, I'm the dad and it's the one who's teaching me. And I'm the son. Uh... It's been a while since we've done an episode, actually. Uh, there's been a little bit of being busy with... I've got lots of uni work, um, but good to be back. Good to be talking about football again. Because um, yeah, it's been an eventful weekend of football. Um, and quite a bit has happened since we last did an, a recording. Um, but we're here today to talk about this game week's set of results. Um and, and just for any doubt, you know, this is welcome. It's the 12th of November. Yeah. Uh, so we're on match week 12. Yeah, 12 now. Um, so this was the final game week before one of the last international, well, the last international break of the year. Um, and I don't think there's another one now until mid-March. Thank God, because international breaks... They just suck the life out of football for a couple of weeks, I find. Um, <laughs> as much as it's an important one, um, sort of the last round of qualifying for the Euros, um, which we both need Italy to qualify for. Uh, otherwise, it will be another tournament missed. Um, but anyways, enough about international football. We're here to talk about the Premier League. Um, where should we start? Should we start with the with the big game of the weekend? Yeah, I think we should start. I think we should start with the big one of the weekend, which was um, Chelsea against City at the bridge. Um, it's been a couple of hours now since the end of the game. What was a manic game? Um, no better advert for the Premier League than that, really. It was pretty exciting to watch, even if you are not Chelsea or... Yeah, it's a neutral. It was a, it was a brilliant game to watch. I mean... End-to-end stuff. Eight goals scored, four for both teams. Late drama as well with two with two pretty late goals for either side. Um, it's all you can really want in a game of football, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think, you know, everyone, even the, um, you know, commentators on uh, on Taylor, they're just saying how, you know, how great, you know, the game was. And I think, you know, what, where do you want to start? You know, what, what is it that... Made it so special, you think? Well, I think we'll start with talking about Chelsea because they've had an up and down season so far, but they've performed very well in the games against big sides. And I think that's a that's a good thing for them is that they're performing well in those big games because it shows that they can hang up there with with the big boys. You know, we're talking 4-4 against Man City. Uh, last week, 4-1 against Spurs, uh, and then also getting a 2-2 draw against Arsenal, you know, a game that they did throw away. But, you know, that's points on the board for them against teams that maybe going in... Well, maybe a bar Spurs, I think that, in theory, going into this season, that would have been a game they would have been looking at and should have been like looking at, like, yeah, we could try and get some points from that game. But given how the season started, going into that game, you would have thought for them... It's going to be a tough one, but obviously they prevailed in that game, uh, which was another manic game that Chelsea have been involved in. Um, so two two big games in a row for them, and that they've been in pretty 
uh, pretty incredible games to watch. Um, so yeah. Who do you think was the uh, man of the match? You know, who would you give? You know, on Chelsea's side, and then I mean, on Chelsea's side, I think there was quite a lot of good performances. Um, I think Sterling was really good today. Uh, I think he performs really well. I think he looked like him. The Sterling that we knew at City that, you know, would always bag goals. He looked like that today at Chelsea. You know, he was running it. He was running at defenders. He was, he was giving Kyle Walker a really tough game on that, on that left-hand side. And then obviously sort of in classic Sterling style when he was at City, he found himself in the middle of the box uh, for a tap-in, um, which you know, for a cutback, you know, he, that became sort of his thing that he did so well at City under Pep for so many years, but um, sort of struggled since he's been at Chelsea. But I think today he was, he was really good. Um, and they'll need that from him because they need goals. And obviously they, they've scored another four today. Uh, so maybe the goals are looking up for, for Chelsea because that's been their issue this year is, is scoring a lot of goals. Um, now, obviously for them defensively, leaking four at the back is not, uh, a great thing to do, especially when you're at home. But against City, um, scoring four against City is no easy feat. I mean, if you look at... Um, there was a chart the other day that I saw that was... Um, combined. So it was, it was a chart of XG involved in every team's game so far this year. So essentially what it was is that it, it ranked teams not just on their XG, but their opponent's XG and found the, the combined XG for the game that they were then involved in, um, of which City were pretty da- damn low. And, and you might be look like, oh, why is their XG so low? But it's because they keep their opponents to such a low XG that um, that they end up quite near the bottom. In fact, Arsenal were at the bottom of that. People were saying, well, Arsenal at the bottom, you know, they can't score goals, blah, blah, blah. But actually, that's not the case. It's more so that they keep their opponents out at such a good level that that their opponent's XG, which is the combined XG for that number, ends up being pretty low. But, I mean, this is a game in, in which the XG for either side was about three. Um, and I'm going to stop you there. Because I'm learning about football. So what's the XG? Okay. <laughs> As you see, this is the part of the episode where my dad doesn't know so much about football. Okay, expect XG stands for expected goals. Uh, it's a statistic based off a lot of data, uh, based off the chances that players have and the shots that they take. Um, and it calculates a number of sort of like the expected chance of it ending up in a goal. Uh, so an an open net tap-in at the back post is going to be a much higher XG than a 40-yard volley. Fair enough. And so if you have an IXG, it means that you are you have created... Yeah, you create lots uh, of uh, yeah. high-quality chances uh, is typically what the data shows for that. But with obviously with this chart, it wasn't just how many how much XG that you created, but then how, how much XG your opponent created in the games that you've been involved in. So the reality is that the best teams would want to be lower on that list because they, as much as they would want to create a high XG themselves, they won't want their opponent getting much XG. I think Liverpool are actually top of that list, um, which isn't necessarily the best sign for Liverpool because, yeah, they create loads and loads of chances, but it shows that they 
can leak some chances at the back, um, but we'll get on to Liverpool a little bit later. Um, but we'll we'll stick focus on this game. Um, so Sterling for you, uh, man of the yeah, match I mean, for like, Chelsea. Yeah, I think man of the match for Chelsea, but I mean, there was lots of good performances on that pitch today for Chelsea. I think Cole Palmer was brilliant as well. Obviously scored the equaliser right at the end. Another former City player scoring in the game uh, against them. Um you know, I think Pep came out the other day and said, you know, that as much as they sort of wanted him to stay and wanted to give him a chance. Um, I do apologise if you can hear some bangs in the background. It is uh, Diwali, so there's lots of fireworks going off tonight, <laughs> which our microphones might uh, pick up. Uh, <laughs> That's all right. Anyway, so you were saying about... Um... Yeah, they didn't want to let him go, but he essentially said... You know, they were saying to him, oh, there's going to be a chance for you this year. But I think he wanted to more guaranteed um, opportunities at football, which he's getting at Chelsea so far. Uh, and he's been pretty good for them in sort of like a... He's not playing out wide, which is what we got used to seeing him at City on the few occasions that he made appearances for them. You know, he's sort of playing in that more sort of number 10, 10 role, um, which he's playing really well in, actually, um, and got his reward today with with the equaliser right at the end. Um, now, talking about penalties, I think it's fair that we discussed the first penalty that was given for City, uh, the first goal of the game, which Erling Haaland did end up dispatching. But <sighs> it's another talking point about VAR getting involved and making a decision. And it's just... <sighs> well... The... Anthony Taylor, who Chelsea fans do not like because he's given plenty of bad decisions against them in the past, has given what is a pretty soft penalty. Um, and VAR has basically looked at it and said, well, there's no clear and obvious error here. There is contact. It's a penalty. But, I mean, just watching it back, I mean, they're both, they're both grabbing each other. And it's, and it's soft, but... Given maybe some of the penalties that they have given this year, you know, the Rodri one against uh, United in the Manchester derby. If that's what they're classifying as a penalty, then it's a penalty. But I'm not going to I'm not going to talk about what they think is a penalty. I'm going to talk about what I think is a penalty. I think it's soft. It was I mean, very it was definitely they were very soft. Like, uh, have I seen them given? Yes. Do I think it's a penalty? No, I think. Haaland's six foot five. I don't think he should be... I think he's gone down quite easily there. I think he's felt the contact contact, and has decided, I'm going down here and trying with my team a penalty. And, and look, that's what he did. They went 1-0 up. And then about four or five minutes later, Chelsea went down the other end. Rhys James had a, had a good attempt on goal from a free kick, but the subsequent corner led to a Thiago Silva header. Um, and I think he becomes one of the oldest Premier League goal scorers now he's 39 years old I think maybe the only older one to score a goal would be Ryan Giggs um sort of in his final year at United uh because I think he might have been 40 when he scored but he definitely becomes one of the oldest players to score in in the Premier League um amazing that he's still going uh although I mean today he was decent but obviously uh led to the what we thought might have been the City winner stuck his boot out and it deflected in but really well taken header um but i think from city's point of view pretty poor defensively 
probably you're right, but it still was an amazing goal. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he, I mean, he's making, he's made that run. No one's picked him up, and he's just glanced it into the far corner. It's a, it, it's, it's a brilliant header from his point of view. But I mean, from City, I, know, I can imagine Pep at half time would have been having a go at them for why did not, why did someone not pick him up, or at least you know, if you're not going to pick him up, then someone has to try and clear the ball. And none of the players at the front point, front post, decided I'm going to try and clear the ball here. They all just sort of stuck with the players they were marking rather than sort of going for the danger in the box, but, which but was... But you, you didn't tell me that you thought that that happened because of the kind of defending that they do, which is... Yeah, is I it mean... Is it that you call it? I can't remember. I mean, like, they had... It looked like it was some sort of, like, semi-zonal, semi-man-marking... Right, I think it looked like, looked like there was sort of semi-man-marking, uh, especially near the front post. There were sort of ma- a little bit more man-to-man... And the rest of the box was maybe a little bit more zonal. Um, but that's the issue with the zonal systems. As much as they can work, they require players to take the initiative to... Defenders to take the initiative to clear a ball if it comes into their sort of zone. And sometimes the issue is is that if it's in that sort of grey area of in your zone, but then also sort of in another player's zone if neither of them go for it, then it can very often lead to an open for, for a header, uh, which is what we saw with Thiago Silva's equaliser. Um, and then Chelsea went and took the lead not too long after with that, with that cutback for Raheem Sterling. Um, got his goal, which I thought he deserved. And then not too long after that, just before half time, uh, there's a, uh, there's a corner taken. Uh, comes out sort of, I think it was to Bernardo Silva actually, sort of comes out to him and, and some of the Chelsea players try and push up and out um, and Enzo Fernandez is one of them who tries to push out, leaves his man who is Manuel Akanji, the ball goes back in the box and Akanji has an open header in the, mid- in the middle of the box um, which he took pretty well to be fair, uh, left Robert Sanchez no chance of saving it but another sort of poor defensive you know, marking from a set piece again, um, this time on the other end of the pitch, um, which I think we saw from Pock was pretty mad about when that goal went in because, I mean, it's simple, really. You just just have to stay to your man uh, for the danger. But, you know, some of those Chelsea players tried to push out, some of them didn't. And in the end, it just leaves an open man for a header in the middle of the box. And City will punish for you for that. Um so uh, that's the first so that's half. the first half and then going into the second half city take the lead pretty early on um cut back robert sanchez got a slight hand to it but not enough and harland then bundles it in and then var decides they want to check it for a potential handball but the handball that they were looking for was as the ball was traveling into the goal that Haaland's hand was sort of just down and they were look it did eventually hit his arm but it was it was over the goal line by then so obviously it's a goal uh, but they were looking if maybe it hit his arm just before it went in but i mean you're just looking at it's just not a handball i mean why in what world would Erling Haaland want to handle the ball that's going into a net it's just it if it and and that's the annoying thing there is if it actually did maybe scrape his arm as it's going in, they ha- they would have to disallow it by their own stupid rules. 
you know, that bear in mind that the ball, as you said, was going in and Ireland's end was in front of the ball. Yeah, so it, it, the only thing that it could have done was it was either stop the ball or slow it down. But why would an attacker want to stop a goal from going in the back of the net? Uh, it, it really just sort of baffled me at the time when they were checking it. It's like, you can't be serious. You can't... It, like, thank God it went in without touching his hand before it went over the goal line. Because if it had touched his hand before it went in the goal line, if it had touched his arm, they would have disallowed it. And it's just not... It's not... They've got... VAR has got away with that one because had they disallowed it, there would have been so much rage about it after the game that that is not a handball. You're destroying the sport because you don't understand football at a proper level. And it's because refereeing is far too sort of they try and make it as black and white as possible but football's not a black and white game there has to be interpretation to the rule but what their thing is is that in lead up to a goal is that if it hits someone's hand or hits someone someone's arm on the attacking team and it le- and there's a goal and it leads up to a goal it has to be disallowed and it's just like well just because it hits someone's arm doesn't mean that it's a handball it can be a ball to hand. And in that situation, that's where you would say that's a ball to hand and the goal should stand. But well, thankfully, nothing thankfully, happened. Thankfully, nothing happened for the sakes of a football game. But for VAR, for checking that, I mean, people may not necessarily have a go at them and the papers won't, you know, talk about it. But it's it's a strange one to me it, it really baffles me and i think it just and highlights the issue with var and and the people what is the people doing the var and they, they, they it's either that they don't know what they're doing or they they're having to abide by such strict rules that even if they would want to allow the goal there they would have to disallow it and it's like what well, no just al- go against your own stupid rules and allow the goal if it were to have hit his arm. Um, it goes back to that Liverpool Tottenham one where you know they realised they made a mistake about twenty seconds later. Got on the VAR to got got on the mic to the referee, and at that point the referee should just be like, "Well, I'm going to give the goal. I don't care what I don't care what our rules are. I'm going to do what's good for the game of football, not not what's good for our." for our refereeing integrity but i don't even think it's good for their refereeing integrity i think i think they get a, a lot more respect from fans if they did the right thing but they, they... so this time round thank this time round they, they thankfully the, they did the right the, thing the football gods shine down upon us and they didn't allow var to mess up a brilliant game of football uh so, but anyways, then uh, going on, Chelsea end up getting an equaliser a little bit later. Although I thought that City had some good chances to go four, to score four, and I think that would have buried the game at that point. Um, they had a moment, they had sort of a period of dominance after their, after that goal. Um, but Chelsea end up getting the equaliser, another Nicholas Jackson goal, um, who is getting better. Although I think that hat trick against Spurs. Is a bit of an odd one because he scores a hat trick, but he missed a lot of but he missed a lot of good chances in that game. It, a lot of people were saying after that game that it, it might have been one of the worst hat tricks I've ever seen scored, just by like 
the quality of goals, but then also the number of chances that he missed in that game. But look, fair enough, he scored that hat trick and he got his goal today. He didn't. He was sort of surviving off scraps today, and fair enough, you know, he gets a what Edison probably should have done better with a shot from outside the box from Conor Gallagher and Jackson takes a good first touch and then puts it into an empty net. Um, Edison though. Sh- it's close enough to his body that he should either be catching it or if he's not going to, if he doesn't feel confident that he can sort of keep it near his body, he should be pushing it wide because pushing it back out into a dangerous area as a keeper, any keeper will know that's the, that's the last thing you want to do. And, you know, he saw himself, you saw him looking over to the line wanting for an offside, but it wasn't going to come because it was onside. Um, so it goes three, three at that point. And then I think there's probably about the 75th minute. Malagusto has a absolutely delightful chance on his left foot. And I think maybe the ball just bubbled up slightly and he leant back and he just puts it over the bar and it could have gone four, three Chelsea at that point. Um, and you never know at that point, maybe Chelsea get the three points. Um, 10 minutes later though, Rodri takes a shot, left shot from outside the box. Tiago Silva, sticks his foot out and it ends up going in the complete opposite corner to where it was originally going and we're thinking at this point oh, City have they've done it again they've they're, they've they've gone to one of these games they've not played particularly well and they're going to pick up three points because they got a last minute goal um but the drama did not end there and uh there was another there was a subsequent penalty in the I think it was the 92nd minute and uh well it was given in the 92nd minute and then Cole Palmer stepped up Call as you like, slotted it home. Um, and uh, that's sort of the last major piece of action of the game, uh, what was a wild game. Um, yeah, pretty wild. I mean, pretty, do you think it's the best game of the season so far? Maybe, I don't know. You know, definitely has been, I'm not sure whether it's been the best game. You know, what not, you not best game, but sort of entertainment wise, would you say? Entertainment-wise, I would say one of the best games. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like 4-4. I mean, eight goals scored. I mean, I think maybe the it might be the best game alongside that Tottenham-Chelsea game last week, um, which I know there was three less goals in that game, but we're talking about the ball was put in the back, back of the net five extra times, but ruled off offside or handball, whatever it was, um, plus two red cards, blah, blah, blah. So we've been treated to, well, Chelsea have treated us to two great games uh, in the space of under a week. Uh, well, just under a week, they played that game on, against Spurs on Monday. Um, so do you think um, Chelsea is out of being a difficult time and likely to they're on they're taking the right steps it's looking they had a look they'll still go and drop points to some teams who are pretty good defensively and will hit them on the counter attack because they still seem quite susceptible to that but for them i'd say it's it's looking up for them because i remember a couple seasons back the season that we finished fifth uh I remember there was a point in the season when we had most of our players when fit. You, just as a reminder, when you say we, Arsenal. Arsenal yeah, Arsenal. Uh, the season that we finished fifth, there was a couple games. I remember it was City at home and I think it was Liverpool at home. And it was two games that, in fairness, we did actually lose, but they were both games in which we were 
very competitive in and that's that's the mark of a decent side is that you're able to go toe-to-toe with those big sides in those big games is that you can assert yourself on that game not just sort of like soak up pressure and then hit on the counter you want to you want to dominate periods of that game and that's what Chelsea did for large part you know for large parts of that game against against City um I don't know what all the statistics on field tilt and whatnot will be Uh, I haven't seen them but from just watching the game you know they created a decent amount of chances Chelsea uh and I think they deserved the point in the end um I think they would have felt hard, hard done by had they not come out the game with anything um I think there'll still be growing pains for them. Look, they've got a really young squad. Um, and I think maybe there's a lack of, maybe a little bit of a lack of leadership and a little bit of a lack of um, experience with some of their starting players. Um, but I will say, I, I, they could make a late charge this season for Champions League football. I mean, look, it's early on in the season. If they decide to turn it on and go on a, decent run of games they could easily find themselves back in sort of the top four top five shout um but i think they'll still have some teething issues with with those games against you know your forests and your brentfords and your villas who who they've lost to so far this season um so it's looking bright but it's looking good for them look i think i think the, the thing that i would say right now is i'd much rather be chelsea than i am united at this point in time right um but i think that's probably enough of us speaking about the Chelsea City game. Uh, Which game do you want to go to then? I think the next game we'll go to is the early kickoff on the Saturday. Uh, <laughs> we didn't watch it, but it's a result that both of us very gladly uh, enjoyed seeing, um, which is uh, Wol- Wolverhampton Wanderers 2, Tottenham Hotspur 1. Uh, this is rather... Uh, unbelievable now, in, in some many ways to witness on a smartphone on the tube. Yeah, I mean, we were on the way, we were on our way to the game at the time, and I was checking my phone, you know, at the stops just to see if, hoping that Wolves would score, and then all of a sudden at one of the stops I see Wolves one one. I'm thinking, yes, get in there. Spurs have dropped points again. Um, and then, you know, just thinking, oh, you know, okay, well, it'll end 1-1. One, one. Okay, Spurs drop points again. Good. And then a couple stops later, checking my phone again. I'm seeing 2-1. And I'm like, what's going on here then? Wolves have scored again in the in the 90, what was it, the 97th minute. Mario Lamina got the winner. Uh, and I'm just there, just like, oh, thank God. Because I saw that um, as much as I didn't watch the game, Wolves, I mean, I've seen the highlights. Wolves had, after Spurs scored, in the, I think it was the third minute, Brennan Johnson, pretty good cutback from Pedro Porro. Wolves were pelting them with chance after chance. They just couldn't put it in the back of the net. Um, especially in that first half. I don't think Spurs did much else in that first half. Um, so Wolves, look, Wolves deserved the points in the end, especially when you look at the, when you look at the underlying stats. I mean, they outperformed Spurs' XG. I think it was two to Wolves and about 0.8 for Spurs. So, they deserved it, and um, so what you think is going wrong with Spurs after you know? Well, after a they, flying start they, they, to the season, I mean, you know, yeah. uh, ten games into the season, it's oh we're undefeated. We've got more points. We got we started with more points than the Invincibles did. Yeah, not gonna last, mate. 
as a as a famous Giorgio Chiellini once said, it's the history of the Tottenham, <laughs> and uh, two games in a row, and they've lost. Why, why do you think you know? Is that because like, I've heard on talk radio, you know, Spurs fans saying you know being frustrated because they haven't got they got uh, keep players injured and. Well, yeah, look, I, I'm going to be fair at the end of the day. The reason why Spurs didn't play particularly well is because they've got players out injured or suspended. Adogi out suspended for this game. Romero out injured. Uh, sorry, out suspended because of the red. both of them got red cards in the in the game against Chelsea. Uh, and then Van der Ven, who's been revolutionary for them at the back alongside Romero this year, also out injured. And then Madison as well out injured, who we now hear is going to be out injured probably about until the new year. Um, so for Spurs fans, sit tight because I don't think the next few, I don't think the the next couple of months are going to necessarily be the easiest for you. Um, especially with Madison out. I mean, they just lack so much. They lacked a lot of creativity in that game. And the reality of that, the reality of it is that when they have their starting 11, they're a very, very good side, but I've said it for a while now, as soon as, if and when they lose a couple of players to injury, especially some of their important players, they were going to struggle. And look, at the end of the day, they are struggling. Uh, since uh, obviously the Chelsea game, they played most of it with nine men and and just set them up on the halfway line with with nine players. Uh, didn't really get it. <laughs> I don't think most people got it playing that high of a line, um, especially when the game was still level. Um, but Again, this game lacked to create much. Although they had a, you know, they had a couple of chances in the second half, and maybe they could have taken one of those chances, and it goes two 0 and the game's out of sight at that point. But they don't. And um, very late on into the game, uh, Pablo Sarabia comes on for Wolves, and uh, I don't know if you saw. Did you want, did you see the goals? Text ball comes over, ball sort of comes over from the left hand side, takes a beautiful touch, and then a first time volley with his left foot and sticks it bottom left corner. Um, and then game restarts, and then not too much longer. Another ball is, I think, I think Sarabia actually put the ball through again for for Lamina. Puts the ball through for Lamina and slots it in the bottom left corner. Didn't actually get the best of contact with it, but at the end of the day, if you're a Wolves fan, you take that. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean Gary O'Neill doing the job again uh, at Wolves. He's been. Pr- you know, Wolves after I think maybe a little bit of a shaky start and some people were thinking, you know, with that late appointment that maybe they were going to be in a bit of trouble this season. They'll be fine. Even with the loss of Pedro Neto, who uh, has been key for them this year. I mean, he's, I mean, got injured against, I think it was against Newcastle and, uh, you know, already on seven assists this season. Um, Has been brilliant. He looks sort of back to his former self before he had um, a pretty bad ACL injury a couple of years ago um, but another setback for him is you never want to see but I think they'll be okay without him uh, as much as they'll lack his creativity at times and his sort of direct runs at defenders because he can be a handful for, for fullbacks as a winger um, but it's more points on the board for them I think they sit in sort of quite comfortably in the mid table now I'll have a little I'll have a check quickly um, Wolves currently sit in yeah 12th place on 15 points so a decent start to the season for them especially sort of based off some people's 
some people's preseasons predictions for them. Um, yeah, I mean, nine points clear of the relegation zone. So unless they decide to go on an awful run of form, they'll be perfectly fine this year and they'll probably want to aim for that mid-table finish that they currently find themselves sitting in. Um, as for Spurs for the for the rest of the season, look, a great start to the season. I think Ange's taking them in the right direction. But there's a long way to go for them, uh, especially with the depth of their squad. But I guess the question now is whether their owners will back them to, will back Ange and will be like, look, we've got something going here. And look, when when they have had the full 11, they've been really firing on all cylinders um, and competing with, with the big sides in those big games. So we need to go out there and back him and, and get him some depth to this squad because... It's no surprise that a lot of people are saying, well, as soon as they lose like one of their centre-backs or Basuma goes out or Madison goes out, who we know has had injury issues in the past at Leicester, as soon as sort of one or two of them go out, they'll be back to sort of struggling in, in, the, in, in a lot of games this, this season because it, those systems are so dependent on having players of certain profiles. And if they don't have players of a certain quality and a certain profile... If you're going to try and play the same system, they tend to just fall apart. And uh, we've experienced that as Arsenal fans in the past couple of seasons with injuries to Saliba, Partey, that when they do get injured, if you don't have sufficient backup, you tend to struggle. Um, and it's what City have become so good at is that they've had the depth of the squad so that even if you know a couple of their key players go out, they can still sort of keep chugging along for the majority of the season. And as long as they sort of have them for those big games, they'll probably be okay for getting points on the board for the majority of the season. But for Spurs now, I mean, look, I don't know about the length to Van der Ven's injury, but with Madison out, I think they'll still be fine to get a decent amount of points on the board, but they've got a tough run of games coming up still. Uh, I think they've got City to play still in this run. I think um, obviously they've played Chelsea already. I think they've got um, Villa coming up as well. Maybe New I think Newcastle as well. Um, and it's those sorts of games where they could struggle in, uh, especially next week against Villa because Basum is out as well for that game. Um, they so won't have a DM. So do you think that for them, uh, he's in a bit of hope that comes the January window, they may get a few additional players to start yeah, beefing up? Yeah, I mean, up? that's the sort of thing that you'd probably be hoping for if you're a Spurs fan. Um, right, and so who do we going to speak about next? Um, Can I suggest Newcastle? Yeah, we can speak about Newcastle. Um, Newcastle, uh, who played Bournemouth, um, and they just didn't look like themselves, Newcastle. I know they've got plenty of injury issues right now, and they had a pretty light squad, but I mean, against the Bournemouth side, who have had a pretty poor start to the season, you'd, you'd hope for them that they should at least be able to get a result from that game, but Bournemouth were very good. And uh, they hold them not only to two goals, Bournemouth, um, with a brace by Dominic Solanke, but they also hold Newcastle to a clean sheet. And Newcastle didn't really create much throughout the entire game, uh, apart from a couple of 
half chances. They they didn't create anything that clear cut. Was that a major surprise? I think it was a surprise based off how Bournemouth have started this season. I mean, a couple of games ago, they found themselves on three points with no wins. And uh, I believe they've won their last... Is it they've won? No, no. They've not won their... I don't know if they won their last two now. Um, I don't know. No, they they so they won this game. I think they, they had lost their previous one, but they had won then the weekend before that against Burnley. And... Um, they find themselves out of the relegation zone now on nine points. And uh, maybe slowly but surely, especially this game for Iriola, it looked like he stamped his sort of play style on Bournemouth. They were they looked lively. They looked good pressing Newcastle. Um, they looked good on the ball, uh, Bournemouth. And um, deservedly, deservedly got the win. Um, although it wasn't until the 60th minute that they got their goal. Um, they did end up they did end up getting their two goals in the end. Um, I think Solanke has already matched one of his best tallies for a Premier League season. Um, and they'll need goals from him if, they, if they're if they going to want to to fight to stay up. Um, so yeah, good, a good performance from Bournemouth. Um, especially against a pretty tough side in Newcastle now, who have now lost their last two games, losing midweek against um, Dortmund as well. Um and they're on a bit of a bad run anyways. I mean, they'd lost to Dortmund a couple of weeks before that at home. And obviously the game against Arsenal, we could talk about VAR all day long, but I think it's fair to say that obviously in that game, not, neither team desire, deserve to win. But I mean, Newcastle didn't deserve to win that game. Obviously they got three points in the end, but I think it should have just been a point shared for both teams. But that's football sometimes. Um, but after a poor start to the season, they seem to pick up form and they just seem to be struggling again, especially with the injuries that they're having. But I, th- I think Newcastle will be fine. And I know some people are sort of overreacting, but they'll get, once they get their players back, I'm, so, I'm sure they'll get back to sort of rolling and winning form again. Um, right. So uh, what your thoughts are on... Um, my thoughts are, in some ways, I'm going to speak from an Arsenal <laughs> perspective. <laughs> There's a bit of me that was pleased that there was a good result for the opposite side who needed more points but in general I think as you said you know know, there is um, you know from a Newcastle fan you know they you know just performing well you know as you know having a pretty good season and and, um, you know if I were a, a Newcastle fan I wouldn't be too worried you know about um, you know have them having missed a few uh, points here and there. Yeah. Um, as you said, a bit bit worried about injuries, but compared to Chelsea, I think you know they have um, you know they have a deeper they have a deeper team. So. Yeah, I mean, I guess the question is is whether Newcastle will find themselves backing for that Champions League race again. Um, to which I think they'll be fine. Um, Obviously, there's a lot of competition up there this year, um, but I think they'll be okay for it, especially if that fifth spot is open for Champions League football. I th- they'll have a good shot at getting Champions League football again. Um, it's just now whether their squad can handle the amount of games they're having so far this season, especially because I think they're in the course final of the, of the League Cup now. Um, whether they progress to the Champions League 
um, knockout stage is, all, is still sort of up in the air. I know they're bottom of their group, but that group is so tight that one match they could completely flip the game, uh, uh, completely flip the table. So, uh, I really uh, know much else to say about them. Um, right. So, who, I think that's our cue to go on to the next game. Yeah. Who, um, who are gonna? Who do you want to speak about next? I think we'll speak about Arsenal because. Being Arsenal fans, we um, we normally speak about them first. But, I mean, maybe not the most eventful game against Burnley. I mean, there's not necessarily too much to speak about. Um, Although I must say that Burnley have managed to keep Arsenal at bay for... Yeah, they, kept, they, were, they frustrated Arsenal. And, and look, at the end of the day, that company... Starting to set them up in the right way, especially against the bigger teams, you just can't go to the Emirates and try and play your own football at times because they will, you will struggle against these big teams trying to play your own football. But they look defensively solid at times, especially in that first half, being frustrating. Um, but in the end, for as much uh, sort of resolute defending that they had, um, and you know they had that one chance where I think it was. Um, I think it was Goodmanson who went through on goal and right and made a pretty d- good save down to his left. They didn't threaten really. They didn't create any chances in that first half. I think that that chance came off sort of a misplaced sort of sort of pass backwards from it might have been Saliba or some or yeah it might have been Saliba. Um, but in the end, Arsenal do get the breakthrough at the end of the half, and uh, it was strange inside the stadium because when the goal went in. Because Trossard had collided with the post, we weren't exactly sure what had happened. If like, because there wasn't much celebration from the players, it's like, what well, has the goal been given or not? And we were just yeah. sort of all just standing there, just like, do I celebrate this or or is he given the goal? Because he sort of like the ref sort of like pointed one way, but I was like thinking, has he pointed that way for a free kick or has he pointed that way because it's a goal? And and eventually, you know, it's like, oh no, it, it is a goal. Um, I saw some fans on Twitter were saying sort of stuff like, why are the Arsenal crowd not celebrating, blah, blah, blah. But I mean, it's because inside the stadium, we weren't exactly sure what had happened. Um, but Trossard put his body on the line, gets the uh, 1,000th goal at the Emirates. Uh, the first goal at the Emirates was scored by Gilberto Silva, another man who wore number 19. And the man who scored the 500th goal, who do you think scored the 500th goal at the Emirates? Relevant to us, Ian Wright. No. Ian Wright, the Emirates, no chance. Ian Wright retired well before the Emirates was built. Oh, oh yeah, you're right. Mikel Arteta. Oh, did he? The five hundredth goal at the Emirates. So, uh, obviously, the man who's now managing us uh, got that got that landmark. And uh, today, Trossard got the uh, thousandth goal. Wasn't the prettiest of goals, but look, that's what you want from your players to, you know be willing to put their bodies on the line to to try and get the ball over the line and and that's what he did uh another interesting stat uh is that Trossard has scored six goals in all competitions this year and all six of them have been assisted by Bukayo Saka so really good partnership forming between the two of them there and I'm gonna just check 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 on your knowledge it's and um has Trossard assisted Saka in scoring any goals? I don't actually think I don't think he has actually, uh, which is strange enough that 
Saka's been the provider for Trossard, but Trossard hasn't yet been the provider for Saka. But nonetheless, I mean, that's what those partnerships on the pitch is what you want to see being formed. Um, but uh, excuse me for that. Um, moving on into the second half and uh, pretty early on in the second half, Burnley come out the gates a little bit quicker than maybe expected and uh, they find themselves getting a goal and, you know, level terms and especially because of how the first half was a bit sluggish. You're thinking, oh, it's not one of those days, is it? Well, you know, you're playing against a team that you're expected to win against and, you know, they just frustrate you and, you know, you go one nil up and you're thinking, oh, it should be plain sailing from here. And then all of a sudden they get a deflected goal and it's one all and you're thinking, oh, your heads drop. Uh, it's cold. It's a bit windy. Maybe, maybe a little bit. Was it a little bit wet? I can't remember if it was raining or not. But you're just thinking, not today, Arsenal. Come on. And uh, luckily for us, a couple minutes later, Saliba at heads home. Um, finally gets a goal at the Emirates, and uh, another man also got his first Emirates goal in Zinchenko. Uh, yeah, and what do you think about his goal? Oh, it's a brilliant, brilliant strike. I mean, sort of genius, sort of. Uh, sort of on the spot just sort of thinking like oh how am I going to hit this and he sort of jumps in the air and then does the Paolo Di Canio scissor kick and puts it away beautifully and at 3-1 then the game is safe until uh, Fabio Vieira decides to go in pretty high and uh, gets himself sent off and deservedly so and (laughs) I think funnily enough I don't know if you saw Arteta's interview after the game no after the game he's like he he was talking he was talking with the interviewer and he's like no 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 I, I want to talk about the VAR and how brilliant they were today the referee the VAR brilliant and like quite sarcastically because <laughs> of the stuff the previous week that happened but uh, yeah it was it was quite funny to see but Vieira now obviously misses the next three games although I don't think we'll necessarily miss him too much which is there's a sort of thing that you want. In comparison, I'm going to make the comparison to Spurs here, is that when a player gets sent off, especially when they're going to miss three games, it's how much you're going to miss them. And for Arsenal, it's, well, with Vieira, who doesn't actually start that much, it's not much for Arsenal. Um, but another win, chugging, chugging along, uh, back to winning ways in the Premier League um, after the first loss of the season against Newcastle last weekend. And... Um, up to 27 points now, third in the table, level with Liverpool and only a point behind City. People have been complaining about what's been a, what they think has been a bit of a poor start to the season, but you find yourself only one point behind City. I mean, you'd have to sit here and say, well, well, you know, actually it's not been that poor of a start and, uh, you know, you're right up there and that's where you want to be, especially with sort of some of the players that we've been missing this so far this season with Partey missing the vast majority of it part is key to the way that we play with the with the way that he's able to receive the ball and play through the lines and break the lines you know we've been lacking that and um it's why maybe at times people have been saying when we've not been as fluid this year but look you can maybe not look as fluid but defensively we've been very solid we have the we have a i think the joint best defensive record in the league with only 10 goals conceded and uh We've got a run of games now where uh, we should be looking to pick up a number of points before uh, I think we've got a trip to Anfield in December. And that's the trip that every single season I dread. 
Right. It's a trip up to Anfield because those are always tough games. Um, but I'm just going to say something. I, I, I know what you said about Vieira, but I quite like him. and I'm more No, no, no. no. I, I, I do like him. It's just that we've got other players that can play that, that can play in the position that he plays. And in fact, he, he's, not the, he's not the starting player in that position for us. Um, it's just, I guess, whether it is, whether other guard comes back and is, um, is fifth. Um, I think he should, I think they've said that he should be back in training soon. So fingers crossed for that. Um, but so who do you think, do you think is going to, um, be there and now, um, you know, being excluded from playing for three games, who's going to pick up? to play in that role well I mean Vieira hasn't featured that he's featured at times this season has looked very good but other times he hasn't looked particularly great um, but, but I mean but, but who's gonna have who's uh, Arteta is gonna have to I mean that right start, on that right hand side we've been seeing Odegaard start the majority of the season and but is, when but Odegaard's is, been out it's been Havertz has you know started there I mean like Vieira could have started in that position but Havertz got the got the start, so I mean. Well, Havertz got the start last time. You know, he was a starter these last games. I'm wondering, who do you think with Vieira now been? You know, who's going to play in um, the role that Vieira had? Um, well, I don't think it will be game. any. I don't think it will be anyone. He was coming off the bench for Odegaard or Havertz. So they'll continue to play and you just won't have a player off the bench who can play for them. No, no, I'm just wondering next match because obviously Odegaard is still injured. Yeah, but I mean, the next match is after the international break in a couple of weeks. I think they expect Odegaard to be back for that. So right, we'll enough. be fine. Okay, so uh, next game. Who do you want to chat about? Uh, Shall we speak about next Man game. Uh We can talk about United. Uh, played at home to Luton. 1-0 win. I mean, they dominated the game really United, but their issue this year has been scoring goals and still I think Rashford is their only forward player to have a goal so far in this Premier League season and he has one. So of their entire front line <coughs> and all their attacking players in the Premier League so far this season, they have one goal and that is Marcus Rashford who himself hasn't scored since scoring in that game at the Emirates. Um, so Hoyland's just as good as he's been in the Champions League for them. You know, he's joint top scorer in that competition. Just can't seem to find the back of the net in the Premier League. Came close again uh, in the first half. Just, I don't know why it's not, why it's not clicking for him in the, well, in that, in, in the Premier League, which you think would be, you know, when you're playing get you know, when you're playing against teams like Luton, you think, well, that's the sort of game, you know, where he can go and pick up his first goal. I don't know if it's some sort of curse or whatnot. He just can't seem to 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 score a goal. Um but look, United pick up a win. Uh which you know you expect that they would at home to Luton. You you would say, you know, they should, you know, it'd be really bad for them if they didn't win that game. Um, I think the surprising thing for United is now is, um, I don't know if you've seen their position in the table. What, do you know their position in the table? I don't. If you no. had a guess based off the start of this season, where would you say you think they are in the table? Look, I can't remember, but they are behind Chelsea for sure, aren't they? No. Are they 
above Chelsea. Yeah, they're above Chelsea. Right, so what position do you think they're in? So they must be in sixth position. Yeah, they're in sixth, which is just baffling. After that game, I was like looking at it, I was like, United are in sixth. I was like, How did that happen? And they find themselves only five points behind Spurs in fourth and four points behind Villa. A point above Newcastle, two points above Brighton, four points above West Ham and five points above Chelsea are in 10th. Um, and it's just like, how did they get there? They've had such a poor start to the season and yet they find themselves in sixth place and they've won seven, lost five. And I think, I think the thing is, is that maybe we're forgetting because they've been so poor in the Champions League. Um, with only with only one win in that competition, and it could have only you know had that Anana Anana not saved that penalty, it could be only one point um, in their group, and I think that would have been them out. Um, but I think there's also been a couple games so far this season where they've not performed well, but have still managed to get over the line and win. You know, the the first game of the season against Wolves comes to mind, where Wolves played much better than them, should have had a penalty, which. Was another was with the first VAR mistake of the season, um, and then there was that game at home to Brentford where they uh, they're one nil down in the ninety third minute, and then Scott McTominay scores two injury time goals and they win the game. But uh, they're picking up points, which you know, while they're you know as fans of United, they get growing a bit impatient. Some of them because they want to see the performances, but at this point in time, they're still picking up the points and that's what they need to be doing is if the if the performances aren't going to be there, at least get points on the board and for them, they're doing that and uh, that's the main thing for them because they find themselves not far off uh, the fourth place or even fifth place, which might be Champions League football uh, with the change of format of the competition. Um and that's exactly where they'll want to be is within striking distance because as poor as a start of they've had, they're not far off. And for them, it's like, well, for them, they take that because they could find themselves, they could have found themselves a lot lower, um, but they don't. Um, now, I don't know what you've thought of them so far this season. Oh, we've spoken about these uh, before. I just thought, Obviously, their fans will be uh, frustrated and, you know, the things are not happening for them. But as you said, um, what we've spoken about, it's, you know, that the manager has decided to make the changes that he, he as a manager, uh, perhaps should have done last year, you know, with his, um, with his new style. And he's not obviously giving himself yeah. enough time to... Uh, you know, giving enough time to the team to adapt. Yeah, I mean, so the, th the point that you, there's been a lot of comparison recently between Ten Hag and, you know, a lot of United fans have been saying, look at what Arteta did, right? Now, the thing that I would say that Ten Hag has almost shot himself in the foot because of, this, because of the season he had last year and because of what United achieved when there was no expectation going into the season... Uh, they finished third place in the league. I think it was on 75 points. They win a trophy and obviously they qualify for Champions League football. They did that though, heavily playing transitional football 
which is what they became so used to playing under Ole and then even before that Jose. Um, so this transitional style was to, especially to some of their key players, Bruno and Rashford, it, that is really their their uh, bread and butter. They're very good in transition. So the question is then, is a lot of people got, went into the season saying how you how United were last year. Well, they can only go up from here, blah, blah, blah. And I, I was like, look, <laughs> on paper they should go up, but I don't think you can look at it, what they did last season and be like, they should go, they should at least like maybe achieve the same sort of target in the table, you know, maybe looking to challenge for the league. I didn't think it would happen because I thought the football that Ten Hag was playing last year is not the football that he wants to be playing. And if he is going to try and switch his style of football, which I thought he was going to do, then they're going to have teething issues because unless you have a squad where you have the quality of players that, and the profile of players that can play that system, then you're going to struggle. And for United, they just don't have those players yet. And that's why I thought it, it was going to be a struggle for them. And and the reason why I say Ten Hag shot himself in the foot, because he's at the biggest club in the world. Or, or, well, definitely the biggest club in England, arguable whether they're the biggest club in the world. But And he played a style of football. He was pragmatic in his first year. And you can say, you know, he was brilliant at times with it, with his decision-making. But it, it, it hurts you for the following season because you set a standard and if you can't meet that there's going to be a lot of questions about you and um for him now trying to implement his style of football it's like well there's lots of injuries that they have which doesn't help but some United fans are growing impatient because they want to see the style of football implemented and they look at Spurs and they're like, you know, look at what Spurs have done, you know, and just done in a couple months, you know, and the style of football they're playing, that's what we want to be doing. But Tottenham found themselves in a position where their recruitment was pretty good over the summer. They had some young players come through, especially, um, especially with their left back. Um, and they had the, with a dogie and they had the right players to play the system that Ange wanted. And uh, he was able to implement that. But, if you look at some of the players that United have, you know, they're still playing with it in the back line, you know, the likes of Maguire. Varane isn't necessarily the best player with his feet. Obviously, Lissandro Martinez is out injured. Um, Casemiro, who I know was brilliant last year, is not a ball-playing defensive midfielder. And then you're looking at players like Bruno and Rashford, who aren't the best in possession of the ball, and they've been playing the last number of years of their career where they've been really good is more transitional style. Their right wing position, they just don't have anyone there uh, who's really good enough. And then Hoyland up top, who is young and I think will be a hit for them, um, isn't necessarily getting the, um, the the service that he needs and he's fighting off scraps at times. So, so the reality is that the fans, you know, from a money perspective is uh, Tanak just needs time he and needs time and he players. needs he, for me he needs time and he needs the players now look that doesn't absolve him of any criticism because i think he he has made some wrong decisions at times in especially with his transfers his transfers have not been the best um whether we talk about the 85 million spent on anthony or the i think the casemiro one seemed a bit more of a club signing at the time because he wanted 
Frankie de Jong that entire summer and they didn't end up getting him whatever but like they spent a lot of money and they haven't necessarily been the best signings for them uh Anano has looked shaky at times this season um obviously if you saw him play Ajax or Inter before you know how good he is with his feet and they haven't been using him that way because they just don't have the centre-backs who are confident enough playing with their feet and um at the moment, they're sort of stuck in between two systems of more transitional style, more possession-based, and they he just can't seem to get it right at this point in time. And uh, whether he'll be given the time, I'm not sure. Um, I don't... I mean, some people were saying, like, oh, he could be sacked, blah, blah, blah. I don't think he'll be sacked anytime soon. Um, but... I think there'll be there'll be conversations if he misses out on Champions League football come the end of the season. But with all that being said, with the how poor they've been at times this season, they've they've got twenty one points. They've got points on the board, and they find themselves only four points off um, a potential Champions League spot, which is for them. You know, he needs to be he needs to be taking that point in, at this point in time, and uh, they just need to chug along and try and keep on picking up points. Um, but Performance-wise, they're not there yet. And you can see that in the big games that they've played so far this year, whether that be Spurs, Arsenal, City, is that they haven't been able to compete on the level that they would want to compete at. And um, I think that's that's why I said earlier that I'd rather be Chelsea at this point in time than United. Because while, you're not, while Chelsea are five points below United, they've got the, founda- the, the foundations are there that are much more solidly there at Chelsea than they are at United for a team that's going to go on to to do thing to do big things. United just look a little bit of a mess right now. Um so the 20 points I think 21 points in the 6th place in the league kind of covers up papers over the cracks at the moment for them. Um but look sometimes it's not always about your performances it's about your results. Uh, and for them, they are picking up some results in the league so far. Uh, and seven wins out of 12 is not necessarily that bad. Uh, yeah. So, Absol- absolutely. So, yeah. Uh, sorry, we didn't really speak about Luton. Um, I mean, they didn't do much tr- throughout the game. They had a couple of sort of half chances, but going to United was always going to be a tough game for them. But I'm sure for those away fans, it was a great day out. Um, you know, small Luton town playing Premier League football at uh, one of the most famous stadiums in the world. Um, but I think we should try and move on now and talk about some of the other results. Yeah, um, you know, I'm mindful that we're done in an hour. and so Mindful that, yeah, we've been going for an hour already. So I think we'll sort of quickly go through some of these games. Uh, the other fixture from uh, Saturday was Crystal Palace 2, Everton 3. Uh, another really good game, actually. I didn't watch it, but I've seen the highlights. Bags of goals. Um, and Everton look like they're finally starting to... Well, they've picked up some good away form so far this year, uh, Everton. Uh, I think they've already matched the number of wins they had away from home last season. Um, it's actually, funnily enough, at home they've at home this season, they've not been particularly great. Um, but another win on the road for them. And again, they, they'll... You know, and again, people were saying at the start of the season that you think that they might be in some issues and that there's a potential for them to go down. I mean, I don't, 
I don't think they will, but there's that. I don't know if you've seen about the potential of the points deductions for them. So because of like, I think FFP sort of violations and whatnot, there's a potential that they might see a points deduction. And for them, if that points deduction is going to come, it's better for them that it comes right now than it does 10 games later on into the season. Because if they know now that they're going to get that points deduction, at least they know like, okay, well, we've got ground to make up here but we can do it because we've seen ourselves so far this season. Whereas if they get hit with it in 10 games time, all of a sudden it leaves them with less time and less games to try and fix, well, to try and sort themselves out of the mess that they, they may find, they may find themselves in. Um, but as for the game, uh, three goals for them and Everton have struggled for goals this year. Um, sort of a back and forth game. They went one nil up right in the first minute of the game, then penalty given away as they scored, uh, as they finally back for Palace, who I thought was really good for them. Um, then Everton go 2-1 up, then Palace come back 2-2, and then 86th minute, Everton go and get the winner. Um, although the one issue for them this year has been the lack of goals from their front line. However, the rest of their players are sort of picking up the the rest of the of the scraps um and they are getting goals so that'd be the most important thing for them and points on the board for them is the most important thing as well do you, do you think it was a bit of a surprise or what are you expecting i them mean to palace have win? been good this year at home so you would have thought that they could pick up some points you know palace going away to palaces a lot of players will and a lot of fans will say you know it's not one of those places that you particularly look forward to going because you know, fans are quite loud. It's all very close to the pitch. It's an old stadium. It can be a difficult ground to go to, but to pick up a win for them is, is massive. Um, and I think they find themselves on 14 points. I think it's level with Palace in the mid, sort of the middle of the table. Um, yeah, Everson in 14th on 14 points. Sorry, a point behind Palace. And um, they're now eight points clear of Luton, who are in 18th. And... Um, even if they get hit with a, I think it'd be a twelve-point deduction. They'd be on. They'd find themselves on two point. If that were to happen today, for instance, or tomorrow, we find out they've been hit with twelve-point deduction. They'll be on two points. Yes, they'll be bottom, but they'll only be four points. They'll behind. only be four points behind Luton and off safety. So, if that deduction does happen, I think based off how the season's gone, I think they'll be okay. But if that deduction comes later on in the season, they could find themselves with a lot of pressure building. Um, could it be as much as 12 points? I think that's the sort of rumour that's flying around right now is that it would be 12 points, but uh, I'm not I'm not entirely sure. I don't necessarily quote me on that. Right. So, uh, other game. Uh, yeah, sorry, we're going to quickly go through them now because we've been recording for a while. Uh... And we still need to do our predictions before uh, at the end. Um, so we've covered all the Saturday games now. Um, there was a few games. Uh, no, sorry, we haven't covered, covered. Have we covered all the Saturday games? No, yeah, we, no, we have. So the final Sunday games, um, I think we'll talk about Liverpool. 3-0 win against Brentford. A uh, comfortable win in the end for them. I think I saw the highlights. Brentford had a couple chances sort of early on. Maybe could have taken the lead, but 
easy in the in the end for Liverpool, who get two goals through Salah and one through Jota, and uh, could have scored a couple more. Nunes had a couple goals ruled off, ruled out for offsides um, before they eventually did take the lead through Salah in the first half, and uh, another win at home for for Liverpool, who Anfield, well, anyone will know, is such a tough tough ground to go to and pick up any any sort of points, um, let alone a win. Um, 3-0 win and they find themselves on 27 points in second place, only a point behind City and uh, they're well, well, they're in it. They're yeah. in the, they're in the, the early, the early race. It's not really a tight, it's not a title race yet because we're not at that point in the season, but they're positioning themselves well for, for a potential one, for a potential title race. Um, what, what, what do you think Brentford missed? It's just because Liverpool is... Going away to Liverpool is such a tough place. I mean, there's a statistic which is Liverpool have only been beaten. So when Van Dijk plays in the league at Anfield, Liverpool in, I think it's over 100 games now, have lost one. And that was last season against Leeds where they lost 2-1 to a last-minute winner. They have not lost, apart from that game, they have not lost a single game at home when Van Dijk plays in the league. So going there and getting a draw is it would be a really good result for Brentford. So going there and, and losing is just sort of one of those ones that I'm sure Thomas Frank will just tell him, look, just forget about it, move on to the next game. This is such a difficult ground to come to that getting any sort getting any any result at this ground is, so is tough. I'm gonna check on you. So they only lost one game. Uh, how many have they won and how many have they uh, I don't know that off the top of my head, but I think it's a yeah. There's been over a hundred. I think that it's over a hundred games now uh, that they've played at home in the league with Van Dyke in defence, and they've uh, they've probably won. Uh, I can imagine they've probably got like eighty five wins, like twelve draws, and like one loss or something, like right. something crazy like that. Um, it's a crazy number. I, I'm I'm sure of it. Um, but it just shows how difficult of a ground Anfield is to go to to pick up points because they will just turn teams over at that ground. And we've seen it already this season. They turned Aston Villa over, who have had a flying start, and I think we'll get on into them into a bit. Um, but they will turn over most teams there. Um, but for Liverpool now, it's the big one next weekend for them because they've got to go away to the Etihad. A uh, place last year that they got battered 4-1. Um, so for them, they'll be looking to try and get back to being more competitive with the city uh, and uh maybe picking up a point or potentially even beating them away from home um which you know if you're going to want to win the league city are the team to city are the team to beat so you're going to have to try and go into that game and pick something out of it you know i think a draw would be a good result for them away from home at city but they'll want to win um you always want to take points off city but if you can't take points off them you share the points. Um, so, well, I said I said it was next weekend. It's in a couple of weekends because we've got the international break now. Uh, but I'm uh, looking forward to that game. I will say myself, um, we'll get on into it a bit, but I would prefer a draw in that game because yeah. uh, it'd be beneficial for Arsenal <laughs> if, those two, if two of the teams that are at the top right now drop points. Um, but a good win for Liverpool nonetheless and that's what they if they're gonna find themselves in the title race that's what they'll need to do whether they will be in a title race i'm not sure because 
I think there's a little bit of a lack of depth in that squad. And as I mentioned earlier, they can be a little bit leaky in terms of their uh, defensive record. Um, although they have only conceded <coughs> 10 goals so far this season in the league, they've they've at time at times rode their luck with their uh with their chances conceded and sort of like teams playing against them maybe underperforming their xg um but their defense is where if they don't win the league is what if they don't if they don't win or fail to challenge for the league it will be their defense that is the thing that they'll uh, will spot. be their weak spot um because they just seem a little bit easy to get down at the wings right now and a team with a good wingers could cause them some problems. Um, and so far this season has caused them some problems at times. Um, but good start the season for them. 27 points and their only loss was against Spurs in that game that they'll feel like they shouldn't have lost. Um, and I would agree with them on that. Um, what else have we got? Moving on now, we've only got a couple more games to cover. Uh I think I will go with another game, high-scoring game. Lots of high-scoring games this weekend. Um, West Ham 3, Nottingham Forest 2. Uh, again, I've watched the highlights of it. Uh, good game of football by the looks of it. Uh, West Ham got off to an early lead with Lucas Paqueta in the in the third minute. Um, dominated sort of the first period of that game and then Forest sort of eventually get themselves into the game and then just before half-time get a goal through... Uh, Awani, uh, who equalises, goes into half time at one all, and then comes out into the second half. And uh, Forrest, after about fifteen minutes, take the lead through uh, Elanga, um, who moved there in the summer from United, who seems to be doing really well for them this so far this season. Although we'll say, I think it was the sixty-third minute he scored in, and he decided to take his top off, which. And it's not like he took his top off and there was a message underneath. No, he just took his top off. So I don't, I don't know if maybe there was something behind it and that I'm not sure about, but he took his top off to celebrate in the 63rd minute, which normally you take your top off when you score a winner, not in the 63rd minute. But I mean, a couple of minutes later, they end up conceding anyways, and it goes 2-2. Um, Jared Bowen scores a header from a corner. Um, James Ward-Prowse proving that, you know, as a set-piece specialist is a real problem for teams because of the ball, the quality of the balls that you can deliver in. And uh, they eventually get another corner, West Ham, late on into the game. And Thomas Socek, who could have scored uh, a third goal for them earlier, uh, does end up putting the ball in the back of the net. And West Ham pick up points again in the league, who, which I think they had lost their previous few games in the league. So to get back to winning ways for them in the league was important for them. Um and now find themselves in the league table. They now find themselves in ninth place after losing their previous three and they'd drawn before that. So winning, getting back to winning ways is important for them. Um, they find themselves in 17 points, ninth place, and position themselves well for getting back, well, qualifying for European football again next season. Um which is sort of the standards they're setting for themselves at the moment. And that's where they want to get back to is either Europa or Europa Conference League. Um, and that's sort of the position in the table that they sh that they will want to be finishing themselves in. Um, and they'll be looking at some of the teams around them, you know, your Brightons and your Villas, and where their positions are in the table 
have been sort of last season and this season and be like, that's who we should be competing with. Um, and uh, and they are. Um, and do you expect them to eat European Cup positions? I mean, I think they'll be close again this season. I, I thought they were going to have a bit of a worse season, to be fair, but they've uh, overperformed my expectations of them so far. Um, right. So and they and they made made some good signings in the summer, so they could they could well easily get Europa or Europa Conference League again this season, especially if that fifth spot becomes a Champions League spot, because then you'll be looking at um, eighth place becoming a European spot um, for the Conference League potentially. So right, um, yeah, uh, and we got a couple more games to cover now. Um, what we got? Uh, Villa, 3-1 against Fulham. Another comfortable win at home for Villa, who have now won, I think it's 13 games in the league uh, at home in a row. Uh, they just keep on winning at home under Enmary. Um Remind me, what position are they in at the table? They're fifth on 25 points, so only a point so behind Spurs and only two points behind Arsenal, Liverpool, and then three points behind City. So they're right up there. Uh Although, I don't know at what point maybe they'll fall off a little bit. But, I mean, for them, at this point in the season, you'd have to be saying, well, we could go for a Champions League spot, which would be incredible for them if they did. But they've positioned themselves in such a area of the table that if they keep on... If they get to sort of the 20, 20, 25 game mark and still find themselves in that, that part of the table, they could be like, well, we're going to go for it now. We're not that far off. And um, I do wonder if maybe the Conference League and the number of games they'll be having with that could affect them, which it very well could. Um, but I wonder what would happen if they did find themselves in a position to get Champions League football, what Emery would at that point prioritise. Is would he prioritise winning a trophy with the Conference League and then getting Europa League football through that? which they may do through the table anyways, or at that point deciding don't go for the trophy, but instead we're going to try and get this Champions League spot. I mean, we'll guess we'll wait and see, but another comfortable win for them today. Uh, Ollie Watkins on the score sheet again uh, with a goal. Um, and Fulham... Uh, I mean, it looks like statistically they didn't uh, fare too bad in the game. I'll have a quite quick look at the XG. Uh, but, just know, but for, for it's a decent team. So. They're not bad, but I mean, I think they they performed a lot. I mean, okay, looking at the XG, it was deserved in the end. Aston Villa, 3.22 to Fulham's 0.92. So 3-1 in the end is a pretty fair result off based off that. So, uh, look, Villa's, Villa Park is proving a pretty tough ground to go to for any team right now. Um especially with their 13 wins in a row there. So, I mean, I'd probably say that Fulham, if they had picked up a point, they would have been a good result for them, but they haven't. Um, I don't think that they won't be in trouble, Fulham, but I know last year, but I think people thought they were like pretty good, but I think that was in part because they had Mitrovic sort of banging in goals and obviously they they lack that now and uh, they lack that goal threat from from him up top. So, I mean, look, the quality down at the bottom is quite bad. So, 
I don't think there's a chance that they find themselves in a relegation battle, but I don't think, I think they'll finish sort of bottom half. I don't think they'll get close to sort of finishing top half again. I think they'll finish in that sort of bottom half, sort of 15th, 16th area, but be pretty safe because they're, they're currently on 12 points in 16th, but they're six points clear of Luton. So, and I can't see that Luton will pick up enough points to challenge them. I'm, potentially if they go on a bad run but i think they'll be okay but i mean there's a chance that they they won't be so we'll wait and see um who else <coughs> who else have we got and we've got fin- one final game to talk about which i saw that deserby was pretty unhappy with um because they drew against sheffield at home and brighton go one nil up in the game and then in the 69th minute dahoud gets himself sent off for brighton um, and I don't know what it was that Deserby was complaining about. I have to, should have done my, uh, I, my research before this, but I, I saw that he wasn't particularly happy. But Sheffield pick up a point away from home at, at, at Brighton, which I think for them, any point that they can get at the bottom is crucial uh, after getting their first win of the in the league last week. Um, so for them, it's like I mean, a, re- a really good result in any case. You know, it's... It wasn't ex- perhaps expected that they would have... No, no, you wouldn't have expected that they would have picked up a point against Brighton, especially away from home. So a point for them is good, even though they, it wasn't them who scored, it was an own goal. Uh, but Deserby said something about the referees. I don't, I don't know what the issue in the game was, but he said that he doesn't like 80% of English referees. Uh, that isn't a new opinion. I don't like them. Uh, to which I would say, I agree, because I think most of the referees in this country are pretty damn awful. Uh, so I'm on his side on this one. Uh, but we don't know why he'd express that. Uh, so he doesn't... So his... Okay, there's a bit more to the quote. He says, the behaviour, I don't like their behaviour on the pitch. And I would agree at times that English referees maybe show... <sighs> I think he's coming from the point of they want to be the star of the show all too often. Uh, which for some referees I think is true. So sometimes they... They, they get involved in the game too much. And, uh, yeah. He said... Uh, obviously, he was frustrated. That yeah, he, he, said, he, he, then, he then went on to say that England is the only country where when there is VAR, you are not sure the decision is right. In other countries, you have to be the ref- you have to be sure the referee is 100%. I wouldn't necessarily agree. I've seen some pretty bad refereeing decisions, VAR decisions from other countries. I mean, we saw it in the midweek in the Champions League with the Rashford... Uh, red card and a couple of penalties that were given in that game um so i wouldn't necessarily agree that it's not an issue in another country but uh, a refereeing standard across across uh europe right now and especially especially in england is is not particularly great and uh they're getting a lot of stick right now um obviously at times it's maybe a little bit unfair the amount of stick that they are getting you know especially especially when people are shouting abuse and whatnot i mean there's never a place for that but the standard refereeing isn't particularly good. Um, so uh, that, I think that wraps up our, our coverage of the games this game week. Uh, so we do you want to do some predictions? Do some predictions um, for the next game week, which is why I've got my laptop here, because in the past we've done these predictions and I haven't written what our predictions are down. So I'm going to quickly just note them down for us um just so we can go back and have a look at how well or 
how badly we predicted uh, these games. So I'll just put up a Word document here quickly. Right. There you go. Computer is working. And so we can uh, start doing our... If Word wants to work. Radio, should we do it with in another way? And we just listen to what we record it, because in any case, it's at the end. I wouldn't be too bothered about that. No, no, no. We'll do this quickly. Sorry for, for any of the listeners or the watchers for this sort of more boring part, but we'll start right. this in a minute. Okay. So, who have we got? So, fixtures after the international break. Um... We will start with the early kickoff, the big game of the weekend. City at home to Liverpool. Now, tell me what you think that will be. It's going to be a draw. Uh, three all. Three all draw. So you're going that City will continue to leak goals, especially after this Chelsea game. Yeah. I, on the other hand, don't think that will be the case. I think it will be a. I think there will be goals, and I think there will be goals on both sides for the game. But I don't think it will be quite like that. I'm going to go for a two-one City win. As much as I'd love there for the for there to be a draw, and I, I'd pray there's a draw. But I think that City will get over the line, and they'll beat Liverpool two-one. Um, right. Now on to the next one. Uh, we've got Burnley against West Ham. Burnley at home to West Ham. Uh, this one, I think West Ham is going to win uh, 1 0. So we're going to go for 1 0 win. Um, on the other hand, uh, yeah, uh, Burnley haven't been great this year. Um, they've struggled at times. I would also lean towards a West Ham win. Um, but I am going to go for a 2 0 West Ham win. Okay. Next. Uh, next game is Luton at home to pa- Crystal Palace. Somehow this one, I think Luton is going to win it. I think a Luton winner. Yeah. And this is going to be a, a 2-1 to Luton. 2-1 to Luton. Okay. Uh, I think they will get a point in this game, Luton. Um, but I think it's going to be a 1-1. Right. Um. They just can't keep clean sheets, Luton, right now. Um, Next up is Newcastle. Oh, big game. Another big game, actually. Uh, Newcastle, another tough tough game for Chelsea is Newcastle home, Chelsea away. So Chelsea with a pretty tough away game at St. James's Park. Tell me what you think. This is hard to guess um, because you have a team that Tends to score potet very often, lots of goals. Newcastle. Um, I think Newcastle is going to win 2 1. 2 1 win for Newcastle. Me, on the other hand, Chelsea do pretty well in these big games, but I think Newcastle is one of those grounds where you can go to and get run off the pitch at times. Now, Newcastle do have some injury issues, although Chelsea do as well. But there is chances for Chelsea, I've heard, 
that Nkunku might be back for them for this game, which could be massive um, for them. Um, but that being said, I do think that Newcastle will win, but I think it will be another high-scoring game. I'm going to go for 3-2 for Newcastle. Um, moving on to the next one, Forest at home to Brighton. Somehow, so think? I think this one Brighton can win. You think uh, Brighton away at Forest? Yeah. It's a tough place to go. I know, it's tough, but I think that could. Um, I'll tell you what, it'll be a draw. A one all. one one Um Me, on the other hand, I think Forest are very, very good at home. And I will go for a 1-0 Forest win. Bit boring of a game, but... I think that could happen and Brighton could find themselves. They've had a bit of a rough period recently, Brighton lacking to pick up points. Uh, the final 3pm kickoff on Saturday is Sheffield at home to Bournemouth. Big game at the bottom of the table. Right, this one, I'm not really sure. Um, I think Sheffield United is going to win. Um, you think they're going to win what? 1-0. 1-0 to Sheffield. It's a bit of a tough one this way. I could go either way. Um, I was just thinking, I'd just give it because it's an home game. and I think why. that Bournemouth are going to pick up some more points and I think they'll get a second game, second win in a row in the league and I think they'll win 2-1 away from home. Uh, and then the final, get, final game on Saturday, the evening kickoff, is Brentford at home to Arsenal. Tough place to go. Tough place to go and tough team for Arsenal. Now, uh, Brentford are, I believe, Brentford in their last 14 London derbies in the league are undefeated. So, I don't the know. The last time that they lost a London derby in the league was when they lost to us 3-0 at the start of last season. Every single London derby they've played since then, they've either won or drawn. But as an Arsenal fan, I think, you know, I'm just going to be rather awful. Uh, uh, you know, I think we're just going to win. Arsenal is going to win 2-1. Going for a 2-1 Arsenal win. Okay. I, on the other hand, think we're going to keep a clean sheet. I'm going to go for 2-0. Um, now into Sunday's games. We've got the 2pm kickoff is... An interesting game. It's Spurs at home to Villa. Tell me what you think. <laughs> I don't know because Spurs has got obviously uh, injuries and um, Aston Villa is pretty good. Um, I don't know. It could go also different ways. Um, I think it's going to be a draw with a lot of goals. Um, it's going to be a 2-2. Two -two. 2-2 two -two draw. I'm actually going to agree with you on this one. I think it's also going to be a 2-2 two -two draw. Um, I think Spurs will have enough to compete in the game. However, I do think Villa will make it tough for them at times, especially with Spurs' injuries and their suspensions still. Um, Villa could go there and pick up a win, though. Um, which, I mean, three losses in a row for Spurs is something that I, potentially, that I would love, but I think they will at least get a point. Um, I think it's also a sort of game where they could scrap a win, but not so sure. And then the 4pm kickoff on Sunday is Everton at home to United. 
I think Everton is going to win. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not going to be many goals. It's going to be a 1-0. A 1-0 one nil. One nil win. I'm going to agree with you on this. I think the Everton are going to get some points at home, which they... Normally, Goodison Park is a really tough place to go, but this this year so far, I mean, they've got one win, one draw, and then they've lost all their, their other games in the league at home. But I think they'll be up for it against United, and I think United can be got at. Uh, I'm going to go for a 3-1 Everton win. Um, I'm going to back them to score some goals. And then the Monday kickoff is not necessarily the most interesting one. It's Fulham at home to Wolves. I think it's going to be a win, a w- away from home win for Wolves. Mm-hmm. Uh, this one, um, and it 2 0. 2 0 away win for Wolves, keeping a clean sheet. Uh, I'm going to be a bit boring on this. I'm going to go for a draw. I think it's going to be a nil boring one. I'm going to go nil nil. I don't think there'll be any goals scored in this game. I think it'll be the one game of the week where there's no goals. Fair enough. Um, so, so you better save this document. Then next yeah. time we're just gonna Maybe check we'll save it. how well or badly uh, we have done. Um, what happens if I do better than you? Do, do I get? I don't know. It's just to look at. <laughs> right, fair enough. <laughs> I can't remember what our last predictions were, but it doesn't matter because our I last predictions were for a couple game weeks ago. But we'll we'll make sure we record an episode for this one, uh, especially because it's in a couple weeks. And I will upload this. Hope I mean, we're recording this on Sunday evening, uh, but I will try and get this ready to be uploaded for tomorrow around sort of six pm, hopefully. Right. Uh, so well, I mean, well, when you're watching this, you'll see this at six pm. Um, but as for now. That is us done talking about all the football this weekend. Uh, we hope you've enjoyed uh, listening or watching. Um, remember that you can, if you're if you're listening, you can watch us on YouTube um, at Teaching My Dad Football, or if you're watching and you some t- and you know you might be driving or what or whatnot, and you can't you can't watch or you don't want to watch and you just want to listen. You can find us on most. Um, streaming platforms at teaching my dad football as well um but uh thank you for listening once again it was nice uh for you to listen to us yeah because it's been a while since we've done one of these episodes but we're going to try and get a bit more sort of consistently sort of every game week now doing doing these recordings and uh, um see you soon well you any, see any us more soon. final notes from you no, no okay more. then we will see you next time Goodbye.